This is us texting. <laughs> Listen to the sound of us texting. I'm emailing my therapist. <laughs> <coughs> all good. So, um, all right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sidekickback Radio with Jesse Kahnweiler. Did I say it right? <laughs> oh my god, that's like so German. <laughs> that's like go to the camp. How do you Kahnweiler. say it? How do you say it? <laughs> it is Kahnweiler. I think it's Kahnweiler. Yeah. It means little boat in German. Huh. But I just say Kahnweiler. Gotcha. Genghis Kahnweiler. <laughs> Shaka Kahnweiler. Is, is, is that your middle name? No. My middle name. My mom is Beth. Yeah. yeah, okay. How do you know that? Because I pay attention. You're I think it's... obsessed with me. <laughs> I know you guys can't see this. He's taking off his clothes right now. This is going really well, by the way, in case you were wondering. <laughs> this is like summer camp flashback right now. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, just like menchy little Jewish guy. <laughs> I should put that on my business card for sure. Yeah, yes. menchy little Jewish guy. Yes, well, for the, I wasn't recording at that point, but I did inform you about the nice Jewish guy's calendar in which I appear. And your just whole situation is ridiculous right now. Like your hair, mm. you have like Zach Morris hair. <laughs> but like... Is that, is that a good thing? Weird Al nose. <laughs> <laughs> So right off the bat, we're just gonna we're just gonna pick apart my look right now. I just want to objectify you so you can understand what it's like to be a woman. <laughs> I think I, you know we are going there at some point in this conversation, so I can appreciate. Okay, that. I'll lay off. Okay, I'm kind of hungover, so it's okay. <laughs> all good. Was it a particular celebration last night, or just general celebrating? Wednesday. No, I am like. Trying to uh, have a life. I'm like actually like such a workaholic that I'm actually trying to be like, oh, let me like go and actually do things that like normal human people do. I'm miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying. I went and saw music. I went and saw my ex-boyfriends and his new girlfriend who just, they did a bunch of music for the skinny. So uh-huh. they were in town from Portland. So I went to go see them. Gotcha. And it was hilarious because I was like, Dude, you fucking, I hated him. He like cheated on me and broke my heart. And I was like, I hope you die. You're like a giant herpy. I hate you. And then now we're like working together. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's amazing. How long, how much time between? Oh, between it was that? been, it, it, it was like, it's been like five or six years. Right. So, so time heals. Yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh my God. Totally. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that's good. That's hopeful for a lot of people, I think to, you know. To know I that. was like, well, you're kind of an asshole, but you're a fucking brilliant musician. Like, <laughs> So I guess we can be at least colleagues. Well, it was it's cool because you were like, I was like, I've always like really, yeah, I've really always admired him and like loved his music. But and so it's cool to like be at that place where you're like, oh, we can come together creatively and like make stuff. And, you know, yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. When I need something from you, I can figure out a way to <laughs> to get it. Yeah. <laughs> No matter who you are, good to know. <laughs> so, um, where um, did you grow up? I I don't know where you're from. I'm it's... from uh, Guess. <laughs> what? Really? The the whole... why do you get to ask all the questions? <laughs> you know, my last guest tried to hijack my show too, and he ran out of questions. No, no, real no, no. Quick. I do not want to talk about you at all. Um, <laughs> I can tell you. I, so I'm from here. I'm from LA. Oh, so, sweet. Where? Uh, I kind of Sherman Oaks is, is what I like to say. Like I like to say I, I went to the Sh- the Sherman Oaks Galleria a lot before what it is now, like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High Galleria. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I went to school on the West Side. So. Okay. 
cool like crossroads or like so windward which was in that bubble of like crossroads harbor west Lake. so you're told you so. must be totally fucked up <laughs> everybody that's from here is insane <laughs> we'll see that's that's why i wanted like, to know i'm just gonna and it's hard to guess <laughs> Because you seem like an L.A. Jewish girl. Like I'm Oh, so, I'm, that's <laughs> really nice. You're like, you just seem like a jappy, slutty Jewish girl. That's not what I meant. I just mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised <coughs> if we know pretty much everyone that we are friends with. Um, yeah, totally. No, um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. See, I would never have guessed that. So Most people think I'm, like, from Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up in Atlanta and, um, there's actually a lot of Jews in Atlanta Mm -hmm. because there's like heat and bagels. There's always Jews. (laughs) Heat and bagels. There's always Jews everywhere. Um, if you're more comfortable there, I'll just move this. Oh, I can lay back. It's all, it's wherever you're comfortable. I just might move it a little bit. It's all good. (laughs) Yes. Please lean uncomfortably for the remainder of this. Whatever you need. You're the man. (laughs) That's not what I meant. (laughs) Um, no, I think we're on the same team. I think we're going to discover that. What do you mean? We're on the same side. Uh, like, I'm going to fight with you and pick fights with you and, like, give uh-huh. you shit. But we're ultimately, like, on the same side. In the fight for? In life. Okay. In the- <laughs> like, I feel like I'm constantly fighting with men. And I'm like, no, but I love you. Oh, you know, okay, yeah. just like, you know. I'm gonna give you shit. Well, that should make for a very interesting episode. That is, pro- hopefully. I mean, I'm in love with that- you. Oh, <laughs> that got weird. Okay, um, so. <laughs> okay, I'm from so, Atlanta. All right, from Atlanta. So, keep, and keep this professional. Yes, totally. I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> um, I grew up in like a suburb of Atlanta, and there's like Atlanta was really cool. The South is really interesting. It's mm-hmm. um, there were Jews, but there was a lot of like. I'm, most of my friends were not Jews growing up, and it was interesting to be in this, uh, you know, there's, like, this world of, like, cotillion and, like, the old South and, like, old money and these families. And I went to, like, a private school, so there was, like, a lot of, like, you know, well-to-do families and stuff, and it was just interesting to kind of grow up in that bubble um, and a lot of Republicans. And, like, it's interesting because I don't – it's, like, maybe it was just a survival tactic, but I was never, like – fuck you, I hate Republicans. Like, I'm always just about, like, listening. It's like, well, why are you Republican? Or why do you believe the way that you believe? Like, that's always so much more interesting to me than, like, trying Mm -hmm. to make people change their minds. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned that growing up in Atlanta. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, like, you're going to think this way. Or, you know, there was, you know, there's, like, off tones of, like, racism. And there was, like, tones of racism. But then there was also, like, amazing, like, you know, I moved to LA and I was like, where are all the black people? Like, you know, like it's so segregated here. And I didn't find that as much in Atlanta. Everything feels like more mixed together. And, um, so it was just, it's, it was an interesting place to grow up. Mm -hmm. And what was your high school experience? Like, um, were you involved in like performing arts or? I was not. No, I got in a lot of trouble in high school. Um, I was just always like loud and like just (laughs) stupid trouble like not even like like I got caught like passing a note about smoking weed and like almost got kicked out of my school and my parents were not even mad like they were mad that I was dumb enough to get caught like they were like (laughs) smoke weed just don't talk about it like that's the first rule you know um but I I think I was I had uh I was like a very sensitive kid and I had like depression when I was younger or was like diagnosed with depression when I was younger and was always kind of trying to figure out like 
I was really happy, but I also had this other side to me that was like very sad and emotional and confused. And I think I was like just trying to figure out like everybody like trying to figure out who I was and where I fit in. And um, I'd say with school, like I didn't really do that well in school. I went to like a very like academic high school and I didn't really do that well. And I just really didn't think I was smart and that you know, there, I would take like a creative writing class or something and be like, oh my, and like get like an A plus, you know, because I was like obsessed with it and I would get to like write a play or something. But then all the other classes, I was just like, I can't, I just uh-huh. like couldn't connect with science or yeah. whatever, um, science or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was, I don't know. I like everybody's childhood. It was awesome and fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you can go back in time. Uh, right now and you are holding your cd player in high school and you open it up what cd is like a little pill (laughs) (laughs) is there anything else (laughs) that was my first cd Uh i remember that yeah and uh yeah that was like everything (laughs) i love how on top of that answer you were because i just like when you say like cd player i'm like oh yeah ironic because because i have that connection with with my cd which is so long Astoria, <laughs> the Ataris. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. That's cooler than I me. Just remember eighth <laughs> cooler. <laughs> yeah, here in this diary. So emo. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, you like listen to it and cry. Yeah. Um, all of eighth grade, as I was not making out with girls just listening mm. to that. <laughs> Were you a super dork? I wasn't a super dork. I was just like I was You a, were shy. Uh, no, I was the opposite. I was very like a performer and I would be very out there and like um so I guess nobody found that kind of, a lot of people were just like, that's funny. Okay. You know oh, that's I mean? so interesting. Like, like everyone was just like, you're, you were always performing. Kind like, of. Been yeah. Off stage. Um, yeah. Like I was always tr- trying to be the funny one, trying to make my friends laugh and, you know, which is good to a certain point, but you know. Mm. Yeah. Not so funny. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not really seeing that, but. <laughs> Thanks. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> There's a certain niche. Yes. I have my audience somewhere. <laughs> anyway. So after high school, um, <clears throat> where, where do you go next? So I came out to California. Um, my, our, my guidance counselor in college told me about the University of Redlands. And they were like, I was applying to schools. And I knew I was interested in film. And I like I applied to like USC and, and Chapman and a couple other film schools. But I was like... Uh, I, there was like something about it that was like, I don't want to go to film school and like sit in a dark room and learn about film. Like I wanted to take liberal arts classes and like, mm-hmm. you know, just be like a kid and learn about shit. And yeah. then, cause I just feel like even then it was like, I need to go be an interesting person. I, I need to go like have shit to make films about. The university of life, I think is Ringo Basically, Starr calls it. Yeah. 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 But, um, so I went to University of Redlands, which is out here in Southern California. It's in San Bernardino. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody knows that now because of the shootings. It's so weird. Mm. But um, it was like out by Palm Springs. It was this little school and it was just like, it's an amazing school. It started in the 60s and um, you like design your own major. You write your own syllabus for classes. Like at 19, I had to like go before like a board of professors and be like, but it wasn't like loosey goosey. It was like very academic, but Mm -hmm. like individual. So like nobody was grading me. Like professors would just write like essays about how you were in class. 
huh. like sp- very specific. And then you had to, I had to go in front of a board my sophomore year and be like, here's my major, here are all the requirements I'm going to take. Here's like the breadth. We had like breadth and depth. So like the depth in one subject, but then the breadth in all the other subjects and how they all tie together. So I did documentary film and sociology and art exhibition and would like study like, you know, it was like college was the first time that I felt like smart because I would like take a sociology class. Like I took a sociology class on, on class and then me and my best friend like made a documentary on truck drivers and we like went to like truck stops and interviewed truck drivers. And I was like, oh, I'm like making connections between what I'm learned, like these big like theories, these very like intangible ideas about like human behavior and why people are and what makes them tick. And like going and testing that in like the field of life yeah, and learning about myself. And I was just like, I was like high. I was like, I just was like so happy and I just felt like I had purpose and I felt like I was like contributing to the world and Mm -hmm. I just it just I just felt at home yeah would you say that um when you were doing that because you're kind of you were kind of doing that in the YouTube videos I'd say before the skinny Mm -hmm. um in those YouTube videos you're kind of doing that but with a certain air of like it doesn't seem like a documentary you know what I mean Mm -hmm. would you say that when you were interviewing those truck drivers very like serious like you were a serious filmmaker and you you know, had a like, like, hmm, to everything, you know what I mean? Well, I think I've always been like a little bit full of shit. Like I've always been, I always like, when I'm interviewing people, I'm never like, you know, it always comes from, I try to kind of just like keep it casual and keep it relaxed and keep it Mm -hmm. human. But I was not in that film at all. Like I was not in any of my early stuff. So Mm -hmm. it was just about the drivers and sometimes you you would hear my voice but yeah, yeah. it was really just about them before i became like a full blown narcissist <laughs> <laughs> Got it. um but that's like why i always tell people like to make to just like keep making work because it's like you don't really know what you're doing until you do it especially with film it's such like an experiential experience you have to like do it so just like looking back at all these films that I made that were like so bad and like so you know or just like progressions or like failures or whatever it was like it's so necessary to like keep working on stuff yeah to figure out you know what type of artist you are what your voice is yeah so so then at what point um so one of my notes is just is just you're nuts like (laughs) and I mean that in the best possible way like I feel like everybody like, <laughs> thinks I'm crazy. You are because it takes a certain kind of crazy to say to an Israeli soldier on the other side of the barrier, <laughs> are you circumcised? So... <laughs> the um, world wanted to know. I, I would love to kind of find out from you, like, where kind of... Where did that that Jesse kind of appear and what brought it out from from that, that girl behind the camera um, do, interviewing truck drivers about drunk driving to... Do that Jesse wearing like a bow tie in her hair, a bow in her hair and you're in, you're in the West Bank. And <laughs> so, so when did that start to kind of come about? Um, I think like dude, where's my chutzpah? And like specifically when I did that web series and when, when I filmed in Israel, it was really like the first time where I was like, okay, I have this topic that is like the Middle East conflict that was so... You couldn't, I was making a documentary about finding my Jewish identity. And for me, it was like that Israel, Palestine, that kept coming up. And so it was like, 
was like, uh, like I don't want to go there because no matter what you say, you will piss people off. Like I was like pitching the show and being like, oh, like going to agents and being like, oh, I want to go to Palestine. And the agents are like, there's no such thing as Palestine. Like it is like such a controversial thing and people get so worked up and heated and everybody has their opinion and it is like a life or death situation. I mean, it's horrible what's going on there. And yet it was like, okay, how do I confront this and deal with this in an authentic way that's not, that's really going to speak to the complexity of the issue. And it was like going and filming that scene, like going to the West Bank and like talking to those soldiers. It was like, I knew that like I needed to put the joke on myself. And so Mm. it was like, I needed to like be like Lucy you know, like Lucy, it's like always like, I feel like all the best comedians is like, you're putting the, you're, or that's just how I could sleep at night. You know, it's like, okay, I need to like expose because I was like, I don't know about the Middle East. Like I don't really understand it. And it makes me feel like I'd be talking to my Israeli friends there and I'd be, I'd be, I feel so dumb because I would just be like, okay, so there's this situation, this, and I never, I'm like, how am I going to present this? Cause I'm not going to be somebody from CNN being like, well, the da 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 and 52% of the da da da, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know about the fucking Israeli parliament politics. It's so complicated. So why don't I expose that total fucking ignorance? You know, and so making it about just being this stupid American girl that is like going there like, oh my God, like am I at the West Bank? And like, who are these people? It's just exposing like, one, how absurd the situation is through my lack of awareness. And to me, that just, it just felt like the right fit. And also like I, there's so many, you know, movies amazing incredible hardcore documentaries about like the intensity and the horror of like the violence that happens there and I just was like I'm not gonna do what everyone else has been doing because other people and journalists and have done it so well you know I mm-hmm. wanted to make something that was true to me and when we filmed that when we finished filming that scene the soldier like I, everyone was like oh my god you're so brave and you're awesome and I was like yeah thank you so much I mean whatever and then one of my producers like was not they, he was Israeli he was like my fixer and he was like not talking to me and I was like what is wrong and the the camera guy was like well he was he was a soldier at the wall and like you need to go get the other side of it you know like I was even in that was so imperfect that experience you Mm -hmm. know like you're saying like oh like what you did was crazy and like everyone's like oh like I've gotten so much like oh that scene is so great and it's like yeah but that scene is like I needed to show the other side of that you know Uh what I mean so it's just like okay like just being like I'm not I'm like fucking this up along the way and just like trying to figure it out, you know, like trying to do anything with race. It's like, oh my God, like I've already fucked that up so much, but I'm like trying yeah. and I'm, I'm teachable. Uh-huh. And it seems like, it seems like what you're doing is, is, is you're kind of getting under people's noses. Like you're, you're taking the problem and literally putting it under their nose. Like when you interview a cop and you say, you know, do you think white privilege is a problem? Like, that's so obviously as such a like uh, minefield that you've presented to them, and and then they just give the answer that we all kind of expect. You know what I mean? Either skirting the issue or kind of just not being aware of it. Um, but I really so. let I really let people make their own opinions about how they feel about who I'm interviewing because for like 
I understand what you're saying. And like, there is something frustrating about interviewing a white cop and him going, no, there's no such thing as white privilege. Mm -hmm. But when I'm filming, it's not about trying to expose anyone or make fun of anyone or shame anyone. It's really like curiosity of, of having everybody represent their own truth and how do all those truths stack up next to each other. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not looking to, to cast Ex blame or, yeah, or, or like, exploit. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking to like expose the issue for what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so with all that going on, um, there's a scene in the skinny in which you're speaking to, uh, I, I call them man bun execs. <laughs> um, so in this day and age of, um, you know, new media content and like all these companies popping up where they're like, we're all about YouTube branded content and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I mean, in your experience, so it seems like you're trying to do something very real. And you talk about that in the skinny where it's like, you know, there's no girl as real as Jesse. She's a real girl. Yeah. Um, and yet you seem to need this platform in which to do it. That's kind of, it seems like a necessary evil almost. Would you agree or? Yeah, that's a great observation. Like, um, it's really like funny, I think, to live in this world of like, I personally feel like, well, fuck the patriarchy, but like, I fucking want the patriarchy <laughs> to fuck me. <laughs> like I, I exist within it. And so like, to me, it's so interesting to be like, well, I'm rebelling against this thing and everyone's kind of like rebelling against this thing you know like I was talking to this dude last night about and he was like I can't I can't really like ever like show my real feelings because like I need to be like a real man you know so I don't think it's like just women that are like mm -hmm. suffering under this like I yeah. think it's like everyone's like putting on this front and trying to be like what society tells us we need to be in order to survive and thrive and all the pressure that comes with that. So it's like wanting to rebel against it while existing in it. Mm. So that's a tension that I really want to play with in the show. Yeah. And I guess I'm not so much saying about men versus women, but more um, artists versus distributors, I guess is, is the, is that, that's kind of. So if I, I wasn't answering your questions, you could just be like, shut up. No, like, no, that's, that's still, it's still great. I think I'm just going deeper. You know I mean? <laughs> um, you're good. I'm used to men telling me to shut up. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I won't. I promise. Um, my mama told me that's very mean. Um, so, What's your question? Money. So I guess um, in creating this this product that you have of uh, showing exposing these curiosities that you have about these very real issues and and exposing it in the way that you do, um, you need these people who are kind of phony and kind of need to pander to, like you said, the patriarchy. Or, you know what I mean? Like there's um you as a youtube star need a youtube distributor but they're uh, you know they're man bug they're man bun execs and they you know you you need them to show your product of exposing them exactly and in, in your experience how how um how how have you navigated it have you been successful in navigating it or is it has it just been just you're just going with the flow yeah, and seeing I mean, what we're happens. in a huge mansion right now and i have like three pools and uh, uh, the youtube money <laughs> those aren't posted well they're posted but they're made of gold <laughs> um 
I think it's like a constant struggle and I think it is for every artist in every field of how you're supposed to be creative and make a living and have exposure. And um, I feel I am incredibly privileged because I feel like, especially with this show, being able to like have an audience and basically have this unfiltered, very like Refinery29, which is incredibly supportive. Um, but I think even within that, it's it's not, it's about, it's about celebrity, you mm-hmm. know? And it's about like, well, like, if you're if you're famous then you'll get this many likes and how do you get more famous and there's always like i can feel myself getting caught up in it of like oh my god like how do i be better how do i be how do i get the better people to watch it how do i get you know and it's it's really hard but you're like i feel like you just have to like trust the material and just like keep making it about the work and like for me like i would just rather produce like I really like, I, I think it's quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, so I, I just think it's about like the power of saying no to projects that like don't speak to you or if you need the cash, like, okay, I'll do this one but not this one or I'm going to, you know, for me, it is so much more important like what, when I'm looking for in producers is like creative freedom and I would trade, I would sacrifice um, the money, the actual money for creative freedom. And I just know that about myself. And um, to me, that's just what's worth it. Nice. And there are like, there's business people and I've worked with them. There's business people that get it. There's business people that know how to think creative. And when you can find those people, like, you know, latch onto them. But I think anybody that has ever like rejected me, like I've had generals like that one in the show, or I've had meetings with production companies like so many times and you feel like, so rejected like it's just like oh my god like they don't like me or I'm not good enough and now looking back on it I'm like oh that was just like whatever the universe is like protecting you you know like if somebody it just feels so much better to be rejected as myself than accepted as somebody that I'm not that's a keeper of a quote jeez (laughs) nice I'll be (laughs) 25.99 Per minute of my time. <laughs> wow. Uh, you're expensive. Um, cool. So with that in mind, getting the skinny made, um, it, it started as a pilot that you were shopping around. Uh, is that correct? Or- um, yeah. It, well, I mean, I wasn't really shopping it. I was developing it with my manager, uh, Paul Young, and we work very closely creatively together and I was developing it for like a year and I had a pilot script and it just wasn't, we were trying to get out there. We were trying to sell it or, but nobody like wanted it to, you know, me to be in it or like, or me to direct it or to change this. And it just was like, uh, well, let's maybe put the pilot down and just like move on to something else and we can come back to it. And I just really didn't want to, like, I just was really stubborn and just really, personally I mean you're always personally invested in your projects but I was just like this is what I want to make right now and I just felt like physically I was gonna die if I couldn't make it and you know just coming from a YouTube background of someone that's like I've made shorts been making shorts since I was 18 and being like well I could do that just half an hour like why not you Mm -hmm. know and the worst comes to worst I'll put it on YouTube but it was just like I'd rather put it on YouTube than have it like sit in development hell Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather just like do it. 
And uh, so I shot a spec pilot and um, did, went on Kickstarter and I got Ileana Douglas on board and had an amazing team of people to help me work on that and then um, sent that to Jill. And that's how Jill and the Jill uh, Soloway and Wifey TV and then they hooked me up with Refinery29 and then we reshot. We, we did a whole season and reshot everything, which was crazy. Like the idea of that was like, oh my God, that's fucking crazy. I'm not going to redo everything. <laughs> but it actually winded up being like the biggest blessing because I basically got like a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Like I got to rehearse the pilot. And so then when we were making it, it was like, I remember this not, this is, this is what I want to try to work on. Or this doesn't translate through the writing from the script and just all the things you learn just by doing it. Yeah. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, where, where did the format kind of come up? Cause, or, or, or how, did you originally see it, uh, when you wrote the pilot as like an, a TV episodic, um, you know, 30 minute episodes or how geeky do you want me to get really geeky? Okay. So we like originally when, when we got the order from refinery, like they weren't like it needs to be this. Mm-hmm. They, I think they were thinking they would, the episodes would probably be shorter. And I remember going in to meet with Jill's producers, and basically I had all of these ideas, but it was it was kind of more like the a broad city model. It was like here's a standalone episode, like it would be six episodes, and they'd be standalone, and you could just watch them out of like you know Broad City or Seinfeld or yeah. whatever. And um, I, I was I was pretty much told like you should look at this like a feature. Like you should look at this show like something that people can watch all the way through and there's character arcs and it builds. So it would be more like a transparent or um, like a Breaking Bad, you know, stuff that you're you're invested from one week to the next and it all kind of fits together like a long story. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like Breaking Bad every season, I'm like, oh, that's like a five-hour movie. Mm -hmm. You know, Fargo is like a Mm five-hour movie. So um, that was really exciting and challenging for me as a writer because I'd never done anything that long. Like even Dude, Where's My Hutzpah? They kind of were like standalone episodes. And so there was a huge learning curve for me and it was really cool to have like, you know, my producers, SD Giordani and Courtney Wilson and Arabella Anderson, who are all, who all work on transparent. So it was really cool to have them kind of help me with the structure of everything and thinking like, okay, I want to show this girl's journey. You know, what, what's the first season about, you know, and that I don't, it was such a relief. Cause I was like, oh, I don't have to show the ending at the end of season one. Like we can really stretch this out and explore the, all the dynamics and, the, mm-hmm. and like really creating characters that people care about, um, hopefully. <laughs> so that was cool. And then, and then it was just very natural with refinery to be like, okay, well we want to, we want to put all the episodes out at once. And it's been really cool because I feel like when people watch it, like if they are into it, they just watch the whole thing, which mm-hmm. runs like I think an hour. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious about the format because I mean, you're, you're, the genesis is, you know, eating disorders and you're tackling, you know, media today and, and the, all the image issues that are, that are coming up because of it, Facebook and Instagram, fine. Um, and so did you feel like that f- I guess it, at first I was like, I wonder if she feels it's stifling, but now it seems like you're like just waiting. You're kind of like 
because you have season two on the way, I'd imagine. Yeah. And so, so you, you know that there's more time to keep developing. So you, you don't want to, you know, less is more kind of thing. Is that more accurate or? You felt it was stifling like the ending. I was, I was just curious for you as a writer, wondering if six episodes, you said 60 minutes, which is, you know, like when I watched it all the way through, I was like, this is about 60 minutes of content. She's trying to cover, you know, eating disorders and, and, and tackle media and, uh, you know, our image of ourselves. And, and, you know, that's a lot, it just seems like a lot to cover in six, 10 minute episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just curious. I'm not saying it, I think it was stifling. I'm just, uh, uh, you as a writer. Um, yeah. I mean, the writing process was, I'd never done anything that structured before. Like we, you, you write like a detail, the way that it works with like Jill's processes, like you write a detailed outline. So I would write, you know, a detailed outline. I break story with my producers and kind of had an image, you know, kind of had a path of where I wanted to go. And then I would write the scripts and then, um, you know, but the amazing thing about writing is like that. And that's why I love directing too, because you, you write in the script and then you write on set with your actors and then you write in editing. I mean, we wrote like every, we wrote every single scene in editing. My editor <laughs> is like fucking genius. Um, <laughs> like the ADR that we did, but yeah. So I think, um, what was really cool okay so it was like what was really like my guiding light through the show was it wasn't about okay let's let's yeah let's give away everything now and it also wasn't about like let's show me let's show the world how funny I am and how clever and oh remember this moment that happened to me let's put that in there like it it's so annoying but it really saved my ass that every scene I should be changing. Every scene should be new information. And it's like basic save the cat shit where you're like, okay, how is like the character starts to see the scene one way and ends the scene the other way. And I've got to tell you something that from, I mean, some scenes are like more important than others, obviously. Like, but I would say that every scene that I wrote that didn't have some big, something big to contribute to the plot to this, to move this, to move Jesse's story forward, we cut, hmm. you know, and that always happens. So like when you're in the script stage and you're like, oh, that scene, well, I mean like, yeah, they'll be great. They'll just like improv and they're so cute and it'll be so fun and it'll be great. We'll get to shoot in that house and like cut it <laughs> because you're going to cut it, you yeah. know? And like, even if you use it for a second, it's just like, I don't know. It just, at least for what we're on our level of money and time, like, it, that was like the biggest learning experience is just to be very disciplined with why is this, why does this scene matter? And you have to be able to answer that. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think I bring up the, uh, this idea of format because in watching it, uh, there, there's characters like a new character gets introduced and at one, you think they're, they're going to be a, a bad guy like like Stu, for example. He, you know, weasels his way into the club and he's totally ignoring you and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but he does, it turns out to not be so bad. Yeah. So it's, it's such a quick turnaround. And I, I think um, you, you did a good job of that. You know, it, it wasn't like so such a snap your fingers and switch. Like, it seems like you were with a lot of the characters, like the Vine star. We meet her and she seems like a bad girl, but then turns out not to be so bad. What is a bad girl? Like somebody who's gonna, um, I'd say, uh, kind of harm Jesse. Hmm. You know, like it, when she's introduced, she seems like it, 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 because of the tropes of 
other content like you're expecting oh that's the girl that's gonna like embarrass jesse to the point that she breaks down and has a relapse or something right um but that might not turn out to be true i don't know tune into season one to find out <laughs> but um so there's a lot of these quick turns around turnarounds with the with characters um was that something you were aware of or um or did that just evolve as you said you were cutting and changing things i mean um yeah i mean i think i'm just was very excited to show like to, to show three-dimensional characters not just in jesse but showing um for Stuart, for example it was like i really wanted to present this guy that has all this confidence and ego. And I feel like that's very specific to LA. Like you meet these people and you're just like, what? Like, okay, you have three houses and you're about to blow up and you have, you know, and it's like, are you a real person? (laughs) Um, But really getting to the heart of like, you know, that it's Jesse's, it's not just Jesse trying to come up and make something of herself. It's Stuart as well. And their relationship to me is really like the love story of the show Um, because they're really growing up together and they really need each other. And so, yeah, I wanted to kind of create a realistic um, example of what's behind some of that male confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, There's a really interesting uh, dichotomy happening in your show where there's this kind of gauntlet of approval where we see Jesse trying to get approval from all these people and this uh, this weird thing, at least when I was watching it, I like uh, <laughs> I feel like I should say when this is I'm not speaking on behalf of all the audience. No, I like where you're going. <laughs> so there's this gauntlet of approval, and you know, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, yes, we want Jesse to get approval, but then it's like, no, wait, those people are assholes. We don't want her to get approval from it. Um, and, and it's like there are things that you do where it's like you, you we want. I have this weird wonder where like who's in the wrong because. Because we, because I think it go, goes back to what I was saying about how needing that necessary evil of like these man bun execs approving you so you can get your content out there so we can expose their bullshit. Um, so I mean, is it was also I guess same question. Were you aware of that as you were writing it? Like, um, like really, really playing with the who's right, who's wrong. You know, wanting Jesse to get approval, but from people we don't like. <laughs> I love that you. That makes me so happy though because it's like. Do you see all these like crazy post-its that are like pain, victim, (laughs) uh, perfection, worst, uh, needing to be loved. I mean, that fuckable feminist, (laughs) that's all like, that's all like the lifeblood of like the pulse of the show is like playing in those contradictions. So, I mean... I don't try to think about audience expectations or what I want. I, I don't think about what I want people to take away from it. I just try to think about what's what feels true to me and my producers and what, you know, we want to talk about that's confusing to us. And so, yeah, I mean, that's something that I struggle with every single day, like <laughs> on my date last night. Like, I don't give a fuck, but love me, please. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty universal. Yeah. You at what point does Sundance come into the picture um, after you know the uh, the order from Refinery Twenty Nine and Jill's on board? Um, we were just editing, and I we were in New York with Refinery Twenty Nine, and just thinking about um, like I was with Paul, and we were just like walking through the park, and we were like, "What? Like, what about Sundance? Like, we should try for Sundance, even though it's like a web series, but yeah, it would just be a cool way to get you know." to have like a real premiere and um so yeah so we applied and uh we got in and it was 
then when you applied fucking crazy did you just submit like a one hour video of- we submitted the pilot and um it was amazing because it was sundance really the biggest gift was they gave us a deadline and it's really it was really awesome because it was like we are never going to be able to finish this i mean we only mm-hmm. edited i think we had like less than two months to do everything and so so you're talking about the first pilot you shot no, uh, we submitted the first episode. Gotcha. Like so you had finished episode. editing the pilot episode and you had the other five on the way. We hadn't edited any of them. No, no, but on the way meaning like you had shot them and you're, mm-hmm. you're putting them together. Um, and then you send the pilot and you say there's five more episodes and, you know, would you be interested? Like, I, I'm curious because um, how did you envision it being shown at Sundance when you guys submitted it? I thought maybe they would show like one episode. Like a, like as a short film? Yeah. Like they would show the pilot or something. Because I'd, I'd never heard of them doing like a web series. Right. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, a web series at Sundance? That's so crazy. But like, it's, you know, it's such a weird time where like almost anything goes. And yeah. And they had like fucking virtual reality this year. And it was yeah. crazy. Well, they had it last year too. I remember um, seeing that, the, the new frontier section and everything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and what was that experience like? I mean, for you being, having a, a film at Sundance, technically, I mean. Could you just not make eye contact with me? Because um, I'm a Sundance filmmaker now, and <laughs> I don't make eye contact with non-Sundance people. So what was Sundance like? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. It was pretty surreal. Um, it was exhausting. It was amazing. <laughs> it was gratifying. It was all the feelings. Yeah. And, uh, it was cool. Like I, I'm, it was really just about like being there with my team and just having like a proper premiere and being able to have like Jill and Paul and Ileana and all these people that, you know, made the show happen. It's like, you know, I think there is this idea that you're like, oh, this like, like, and yes, like, okay, because I'm in it and it's based on my story and like all this stuff, but it's like filmmaking is so incredibly collaborative. Like, that's why I just love it because yeah, like you're never, you're always collaborating with people. You're never alone. You know, like I'm texting with one of my producers. I've been texting with her for like two hours this morning about like shame. Like we're talking about like season four, like how does shame come out? And it's like, I'm always just like bouncing ideas off of people and collaborating. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's, that's what's like so incredible about it. And I feel like I've surrounded myself with people that are so much smarter than me. So like, anything that's happening it's like not it's just this team mm-hmm. nice it was so, cool i got drunk <laughs> i hooked up with a cute dude it was cool <laughs> call me why don't you call me <laughs> he's not gonna hear this you don't know that i have an in with the sundance community a little bit um and so when you did show it did you show all six episodes yeah and then we did like a panel Nice. About, you know, yeah. bitches. And you were called Almost Genius. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you see that post? <laughs> yes, I saw that post. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. But um, it's, fun for, it's fun for me to talk about this stuff because it's all so new and, like, it's just fun to experience it. And I want to put it in the show, you know, mm-hmm. and getting, like, getting approval and how that feels and what it doesn't feel like. And, you know, people are like, oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> And it's like, oh my God, I've been wanting to hear that my whole life, but it's not, it's not real. Too, it's, it translates to, there's something I can get out of you. Your yeah, place. yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about that, but thanks for <laughs> instilling a new neurosis. You can tell your 
producer about it yeah. if you want to add that in. <laughs> um, so you just mentioned season four. Um, how, how, like... <laughs> I'm right. Meaning, I'm working on season 18. Right yeah, now. like, what, where, where are you at with that in terms of the plan? Um, yeah, we're just kind of developing like the next seasons, and mm-hmm. it's fun to think about because I do want this to be. I really want to show the arc, so thinking about what I want the story to be and mm-hmm. play out. So it's been kind of fun and overwhelming and terrifying, and but I like it. That's what I feel like is so cool about filmmaking is that this is all just it's all terrifying. Like I was like, Oh my God, this is so scary to think about like season five, but it was really scary to think about season one. Yeah. So I think that fear is, uh, is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that's, that's, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hit 59 minutes and then have to rush out of here. I will start I charging think, you. Is there anything else um, you would like to add before we wrap it up? Um, I guess I would just say like to the three people listening, <laughs> Thanks. No, not because of you. Cause <laughs> Wait, let's start over. Um, I would just say like that it's, I don't know. It just is like, it is, it feels like very, it feels vulnerable and it feels scary to put myself out there. And this is all my shit and my dirty secrets and so ashamed of my eating disorder for so long. And, you know, now coming out with the show, it just feels like, it feels freeing and it, it's not, it's really not scary. I think what, I think what the, I feel sane. What's insane to me is like lying and hiding and pretending mm-hmm. that everything's okay. And so it's just like encouraging other people to like tell only the story that they can tell. Yeah. And that's a great, I think it's a great <laughs> note to end on. Bye. <laughs> Done. <laughs> See no. you at the Maccabi games. <laughs> you on birthright yeah right the fuck out of my house so, yeah I, I will <laughs> so thank you so much and uh i guess if there's uh nothing uh, left you want to add take us away to the sign off jesse oh well you want to yeah. tell people where to watch the show there we go yes thank you see that's why I asked. great job cool so <laughs> okay you can watch the skinny on refinery 29 um just go to refinery 29 the skinny or my website jessiecomweiler.com you can watch all the episodes there cool Check and maybe out. you could link to it. I will. I was gonna like I do a little write up really? too, so I was gonna write it and put the link in. Dude, it helps with SEO, outbound links. Anyway, good. Side kickback radio. Kachow. <laughs> Kachow. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs>